Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property, it's the location and neighborhood. Homes.com offers in-depth neighborhood guides with detailed video overviews, comprehensive narratives, and unbiased information from a multitude of sources. You thought we go in-depth with player analysis on Fantasy Baseball today? You haven't seen anything yet. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood complete with a video guide. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. And first pitch, crushing! Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Frank, Scott, and Chris. Welcome into Fantasy Baseball Today on Tuesday, April 12th. Frank Stanfield joined by Scott White here to recap all of Monday's action. We had some exciting pitcher performances. A reliever who averaged over 100 miles per hour. No big deal, you know. Hunter Green just did that as a starter over the weekend, but... I want to talk about this for Lever, Team Name Tuesday, and much more. I've got my first, Scott, in the Oh My Goodness Gracious rotation. Many listeners sent this one in. Our player of the night will be brought to you by none other than the great Hawk Harrelson. you got to be raping me. <laughs> Multiple people sent in that exact soundbite of Hawk Harrelson. So I'm a big fan. Uh, I kind of like... Grew up hearing him in the background. I'm like, who is this guy? He's awesome. Mercy. And uh, any time that we can work Hulk Harrelson into the podcast, I am about it, Scott. So why don't you kick us off here? You're, uh, oh my goodness gracious, or I guess you've got to be bleeping me, player of the night. <laughs> I am going to go with Joe Adele, who finally did something. When he, you know, in an alternate universe, he wouldn't have done something because he wasn't originally in the Angels lineup again left out against a righty. But then Mike Trout came down with with a tummy ache. He had a stomach bug, and it was scratched from the lineup. So Adele was inserted, and he hit his first home run. He hit his first home run, and it was off that righty, Eliezer Hernandez of the Marlins. Uh, That game is not over yet, so potentially... Adele could do more, but he's one for three with that home run and a strikeout. And it's something, you know, it's something it's if he, every time he does something when he's in the lineup, it's going to make it harder for Joe Madden to sit him the next time. And I think it's important because, you know, in, in, in some of the deeper leagues we play in five outfielder leagues, you know, um, leagues where 300 players, 300 plus players are rostered, let's say. Probably not much of a question whether or not you hold on to Adele, but anything shallower than that, I I think it is a serious question at this point because you only have so much roster space, obviously, and and based on his usage so far, he's 
he's unusable in those shallow shallow leagues until he gets more consistent playing time. You want to hold on to him for the upside, but you got somebody like Stephen Kwan out there just begging to be picked up. I'd like to I, I'd like to preach patience on Adele. I, I realize that in some circumstances it may not be possible. You got to understand how your league works. You got to understand how plausible the idea of stashing anybody is in a league like yours. But if it's possible, I think you need to hold on to Adele. Scott, I had people on Monday asking me what to do with Joe Adele in 15-team, five outfielder leagues. So to me, yeah. that's probably an overreaction. You know, obviously, it's, it's been a roller coaster ride, no doubt, with Joe Adele thus far. You know, in and out of the lineup, uh, looking more like a platoon bat. And then, of course, he gets to start on Monday because of Mike Trout's uh, tummy ache, <laughs> as you mentioned. And he hits a 430-foot homer, you know, not just like a wall scraper. This was a bomb to right center field. So very impressive to see that from Joe Adele. Scott, I think where I'm at right now, any five outfielder leagues, I'm going to hold Joe Adele. I think even in three outfield category leagues, I'd like to hold him if I can. Three outfield head-to-head points leagues, if somebody like Stephen Kwan or Connor Joe is available in that format, I think I would be okay making the swap. I think you have to in that format. I mean, that's the better format for both Kwan and Joe because of their plate discipline. I I think you have to in that format. But I, 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 I... Pretty much agree with that breakdown. I, I think in some three outfielder category leagues, it may still be hard to ho- hold on to Adele, but I'd prefer to do it. I mean, I was just saying yesterday uh, that I'd like to hold on to CJ Abrams in every league where I can. I think he's in a very similar spot. He was out of the lineup again for the Padres, another left hander on the mound, but they're facing nothing but righties the rest of the week. So, you know, we, we may be on the verge of seeing CJ Abrams make himself indispensable or he may not, you know, and I, I ended up having to drop him in one of the, one of those shallower leagues, a 12 team points league. Again, I think you can justify dropping him more in points than categories, but I didn't like to do it. You know, I want to hold on to that upside. I think he could be, uh, he could be a, a difference maker even in a points league potentially, but, but you have to, you have to treat roster space as not not just, okay, these are the players I want. These are the players that I'm at risk to losing to somebody else if I'm not protecting them. And I don't think in those shallower leagues, Abrams or even Adele is necessarily in that spot where you risk losing. Sure, if they go off, you know, over a three-game span, you could very quickly lose them to somebody else. But right now, I don't think that's much of a risk. The last point, Scott, on Joe Adele is I saw earlier that ta- uh, Taylor Ward is expected to be activated from the IL when first eligible this weekend. So that's just another obstacle in this puzzle that we're trying to figure out right now regarding and, Joe and I Adele. Think, I, I think I saw it was re- Madden reiterated that Taylor Ward is his, his right fielder when he comes back. Yeah, I think I saw that. So, I mean, look, this could be cleared up by the weekend, too. If we get to Friday and Taylor Ward is activated and he starts all three games and Joe Adele doesn't play at all, then obviously that will change our outlook on him. But let's see what happens the rest of the week for uh, Joe Adele. And Brandon Marsh, by the way, I feel like it's worth mentioning, two hits tonight, a double, a home run, and he has not struck out over his first four games. Last year, the biggest issue for Brandon Marsh was that he struck out over 30% of the time. And... 
It's not really something we saw much in the minors from him. Uh, and then it was a huge issue last year. So he's only 24% rostered. And I think someone uh, who should be on our radars right now as well. So he has struck out once Marsh has. And I'll also tonight out, or no, just for the season. You said over his first four games, right? Yes. No. Yeah. One strikeout for Marsh. Yeah. But he also struck out 18 times in 43 plate appearances this spring. So it's not, I'm not sure I make anything of that yet. It's not like, it's not like Stephen Kwan who didn't strike out at all this spring and also hasn't struck out during the regular season. Speaking of Stephen Kwan, Scott, it's, look, I feel like we need to keep talking about him until this roster rate just climbs higher. He's 49% rostered. Another strong performance on Monday. One for three with a triple. Three RBI, two walks, two runs scored. Batting second once again. Of course, no strikeouts in this game for Stephen Kwan. And then the other one is Connor Joe. Two for five, his second home run. This one came off of a righty in Greg Holland. Connor Joe still... And on the road. Yeah. Yeah, not a course field. Still just 38% rostered, and Connor Joe has started all four games for the Rockies. Again, like I, I broke down where I would add these guys over Joe Adele, but just in general, Scott, there are still outfielders that are rostered in too many CBS leagues compared to these guys. Mike Yastrzemski, Brendan Nimmo, Enrique Hernandez, those are all rostered in over 60% of leagues. I would drop any of them, all of them, for Stephen Kwan and Connor Joe. Easily. Yeah, that's that needs to change. And you know, I'm it I I think it's a tough call whether you go Quan or Joe. Quan's getting all the headlines right now. So I think you're most at risk to losing at losing him to somebody else. But I think Joe is going to be more impactful just because of where he plays his home games. And I I think there's going to be higher power output there. Uh, but like playing time isn't an issue for either one of them. And you know, a lot of the players you're considering, a lot of those guys you're considering dropping or adding, they're not necessarily full timers yet. So that has to weigh into your consideration too. But yeah, I, I, I think they are both living up to the hype. And then some, I, mean, I, I say hype. I mean, how much did we hype Stephen Kwan before the season? I, I wish we had hyped him harder. <laughs> you know, it wasn't clear what kind of role he was going to play for Cleveland. It wasn't clear he was going to make the team at first. Yeah, I know we so mentioned him. Kind of, we mentioned him late as like a deep sleeper. Yeah, but yeah, not nearly enough. We didn't. Yeah, again, right. we didn't really know what his role was going to be. But again, like after trading away Bradley Zimmer, that kind of reinstills some off um, some confidence in Quan, mm-hmm. and you know, especially where they're batting him in the lineup. Joe Adele, by the way, just added another RBI double to his line on Monday night. So. There you go. Two go for four. Joe. Two for four, double homer, two RBI for uh, for Joe Adele. It's, it's a really good game for him. Um, Scott, one other name here I wanted to ask you about. Alex Kirilov. I'm getting a lot of questions about him, too. One for 15 to start the year. Do you drop Kirilov for Quan, Connor, Joe, both? Ooh, you know, in the podcast listeners league, which is a shallower league, 12 team points, 252 players rostered, I actually had briefly... I had entered a move to drop Kirilov for Kwan. Not because I want to give up on Kirilov, but because now is my shot chance to get Kwan, and Kirilov was the only player I felt like I could drop. I I ultimately changed my mind. I can't remember. I, I may have I may have put in a move to drop Nestor Cortez instead. And in any case, I don't I don't think I want did I win Kwan in that league? I don't think I did. I think you did. 
Oh, okay. I'll pull it. Who did I end up dropping for him? I'll pull it up. But I thought okay. I, I thought I saw an email from someone today pointing out that you won Stephen Kwan. Uh, yes, you I did. Guess. For $3 out of a $100 fab budget, you dropped Nestor Cortez for him. Okay. Yep. That was what I ended up switching it to. But it was Alex Kirilov at one point. You know, a part of it is because it's a points league and I, I, I try to keep my hitters to the extent I can justify it. I, I try to keep my bench hitter free. I try to make it mostly full of pitchers because they're always usable hitters to pick up if you ever need one. But, you know, I just like the upside of Kirilov too much. So I guess what I'm trying to say is, well, I can understand needing the roster space for somebody else in a shallow league. It's kind of like Adele. Like, I, I still love the upside, slow start or not. I, I'd certainly rather hold on to Kirilov if I can figure out a way to do it. All right, player of the night for me, Michael Lorenzen. He looked awesome at home against the Miami Marlins in his Angels debut. Six innings, one run, zero walks to seven strikeouts. He had 14 swinging strikes on 89 pitches. Uh, he threw five different pitches, 11 plus percent of the time. So a very diver, uh, diverse arsenal for Lorenzen in this game. He had nine ground ball outs. He hasn't consistently been used as a starter since his rookie season back in 2015. You might remember Lorenzen as a reliever with the Cincinnati Reds for most of his career, uh, but now stretched out, starting for the Angels, and he looked fantastic in this start, Scott. He's 5% rostered, and he's only RP eligible on CBS right now, so if you play in a points league, he has that SPARP eligibility. Yeah, I was really impressed. Obviously, the velocity was down with the roll change, but 14 swinging strikes on 89 pitches, and the breakdown was interesting. He has six pitches. I mean, you can't expect to make use of six pitches in a relief role. It's You expect a pitcher's numbers to get worse going from a short roll in the bullpen to obviously extending out and being a starter. You, ex you expect him to lose a little something statistics-wise. But when you're not able to make use of your full arsenal in a relief role that opens the door for you to actually improve with the move to the rotation and early returns for Lorenzen suggest that may happen for him. I'm not sure that I'm, I'm not sure how badly I want to pick him up just yet. Like he's not up there with Tyler McGill or even Merrill Kelly for me, uh, unless it's a situation obviously where you need a relief pitcher in a points league relief pitcher eligible, eligible pitcher, I should say. But it was pretty interesting. Yeah, interesting for sure. Again, he's going up against the Miami Marlins. So while we expect the Marlins lineup to be a little bit better this year, I think it's still looked at as a as a good matchup. So um, good to see from Michael Lorenzen in his debut. I want to kind of compare him to a few other pitchers who might be available, Scott, who pitched on Monday. And Nick Martinez making his return to the majors for the Padres. Five innings, one run. Six strikeouts. He had 13 swinging strikes on 83 pitches. He is only 15% rostered. And then the other one is Jamison Tyone, who had a strong start at home against a really tough Toronto Blue Jays lineup. His one mistake, a two-run homer that he allowed to George Springer. But five innings, two runs, six strikeouts, to zero walks for Tyone. He had 17 swinging strikes on 72 pitches. Nine of those came on his four-seam fastball. He is much more rostered on CBS, 59% compared to those other two. Uh, what do you think about just these three in general, Scott? Maybe rank them. Jamison Tyone, Nick Martinez, Michael Lorenzen. So I'm bringing 
I'm bringing some bias into this. I'm, I'm because all three were good. I'm still inclined to rank them as I originally would have, which is Nick Martinez one. Uh, you know what? I'm, I am going to move Lorenzen up to two. <laughs> Nick Martinez one, Michael Lorenzen two, and Jameson Tyone three. I mean, 17 whiffs on 72 pitches, especially against the Blue Jays. That's amazing for Tyone. But beyond that, I don't really like. I, I'm not seeing anything else that suggests he's different from a year ago. You know, it's not like the velocity is up. It's not like the spin is up. The pitch selection. You know, it's it's not that different. Maybe we we're just a year early, and he wasn't totally comfortable with his new delivery yet, and and becoming comfortable with it isn't really showing up in in the metrics, but it is in the results. You know, like I, that's possible. I'm I'm not ready to say that after only one start though, for for Tyone. Uh, but Nick Martinez, Nick Martinez is a pitcher I was warming up to already, and and I I flirted with picking him up in a few leagues. He was he was in the the hierarchy of of waiver pickups for me, and it just didn't make it far enough down the list for me to add Nick Martinez. But I was impressed with what he did this spring, obviously impressed with what he did in Japan. The Padres were too, clearly giving him a four-year deal. And of those 13 whiffs on 83 pitches, I, I like the breakdown of that too. Three on the fastball, four on the cutter, five on the changeup. You have three pitches that are capable of getting swings and misses. You can be pretty successful. So... He would be my preference of those three to pick up. And he's also relief pitcher eligible if if that matters to you in a points league. But all of these names, Scott, are behind Tyler McGill, Merrill Kelly, and what about Kyle Wright? Would would you put Kyle Wright ahead of these as well? No, he's similar. I think I would take I think I would take Nick Martinez over Wright. Not sure about the others. Obviously, if you need the relief pitcher eligibility from Lorenzen, maybe you do him over Wright as well. But yeah, that's he. It's it's part of a group of pitchers that I like what we've seen from them in the one start. But you know, I, I based on their histories, I need to see a little more. Yeah, especially for Nick Martinez too. Like his next two starts, even if you add him, I don't know that you want to start him because he's going up against the Braves this weekend, and then uh, looks like as of now, it's very early to project this, but the Dodgers next week for Nick Martinez. So uh, two tougher matchups coming up for him. This isn't a starter, Scott, but I wanted to mention his name early on. Yoan Duran, I mean, what he did against uh, the Seattle Mariners in this game, he came in in a four-run lead in the ninth inning. Tyler Duffy pitched in the seventh. Joe Smith pitched in the eighth. Uh, Duran averaged 100.8 miles per hour on his fastball. He's 19% rostered, and he's the opposite right now. He's actually only starting pitcher eligible. He was a starter uh, as a prospect coming up, so he'll need, I guess, two eight more relief appearances to gain that uh, relief pitcher eligibility. But the fact that he pitched the ninth inning in a four-run game gives me a little bit of confidence. I, I still don't know for sure with Rocco Baldelli, but I kind of feel like maybe Duran's going to be the guy here for uh, the Minnesota Twins. Yeah, I don't know. It's possible. It's possible. But it, it actually was in a safe situation, and he may have just been one of the more rested relievers, you know? True. So, yeah. I, I mean, he's definitely somebody I have my eye on, and I could see that happening at some point. I, I just don't think we're going to get much clarity from Rocco Baldelli for a while. Okay. Uh, if you had to just take a guess right now, who do you think gets in the next twin save opportunity? 
So I need to do a better job of memorizing <laughs> the names of the relievers in the Twins bullpen. Yeah, they have Jorge. I am thinking of Jorge Alcala. They have Tyler Duffy. Yeah, Alcala is the one still. If okay. I had to pick a single Twins reliever to invest in, and again, I think it's going to be a mess for a while, but Jorge Alcala is the one. All right, some news and notes. I missed this yesterday, but apparently Fernando Tatis said this weekend that he expects to resume swinging a bat in around three weeks. He's on the 60-day IL, which means the earliest date Fernando Tatis could actually play in a game this season is June 7th. Will that actually happen? That seems probably aggressive, but nice to see some good news for Fernando Tatis. Uh, Mike Trout, as we mentioned earlier, was scratched Monday night due to the same illness he was dealing with last week. Apparently, it's some kind of stomach issue. Um, Doesn't seem anything too major for him. Luis Patino left his start Monday after recording just two outs. He was later diagnosed with a strain left oblique. Instead of going to the IL, uh, Scott, a crusher. Blake Snell plans to play catch on Tuesday throw a bullpen session Wednesday ahead of his start on Friday. So there's still a chance that Blake Snell does not go on the IL. So maybe we kind of slow down our hype a little bit on Mackenzie Gore. Um, I still think he needs to be rostered. You know, the shallow leagues that we talk about are usually points leagues where there's a greater demand for starting pitchers, obviously. So even in those leagues, I, I still think McKenzie Gore needs to be rostered because if if his chance isn't right now with the Snell injury, it'll be right around the corner. And I, I think he's ready to go. I think he's ready to do real damage when his opportunity does get here. Again, in uh, McKenzie Gore's first minor league start, five shutout, two hits, zero walks, seven strikeouts. He is 55% rostered on CBS. Again, that is McKenzie Gore. Trevor Story was out of the lineup again on Monday due to illness, but he could be back on Tuesday. Zach Gallen was pushed back in the rotation due to a small cut on his thumb. Taiwan Walker exited Monday's start and will undergo an MRI on his right shoulder. He actually looked really good to start, too. I think it was two perfect innings, four strikeouts against the Phillies, but, you know, shoulder injury, obviously pretty bad for uh, Taiwan Walker. Zach Wheeler will apparently be limited to uh, 70 or 75 pitches on Tuesday, which is actually more than I thought. So 70, 75, yeah. we, we might get, you know, five innings out of Zach Wheeler. That would be well, that, pretty awesome. That's not much more than any pitchers have been throwing. There have been yeah. so far only six pitchers who've thrown 90 pitches in all of baseball. So if, if, if Wheeler's going to get to 75, then, you know, I mean, I, I'm not saying he's going to get enough to get, a win, but that hasn't, again, that's been the norm the first time through is these pitchers are still building up. I wanted to pull up how many quality starts there have been so far. Actually, more than I thought. Decent number. Some yeah. There were some really, uh, there's been over a dozen six-plus inning starts, and all of yeah. them, as you'd imagine, given how few have thrown more than 90 pitches, yeah. were very efficient starts. Yeah. 13 quality starts entering Monday Alec Manoa added another one uh, to that total. We'll get to Alec Manoa in just a little bit. Jack Flaherty has been cleared to play catch uh, up to 90 feet. He received a PRP injection in his right shoulder three weeks ago. Danny Jansen is dealing with some soreness on his left side and was not in the lineup Monday. Uh, This could be more playing time for our guy, Alejandro Kirk. Jordan Montgomery should be able to make his next scheduled start this weekend in Baltimore after being hit by a comebacker on Sunday night. A few lineup notes, Scott, you mentioned C.J. Abrams was out again Monday going up against the lefty Alex Wood. Uh, Giants prospect 
Elliot Ramos made his debut on Sunday. He went two for three, and then he was benched Monday night against righty Nick Martinez. Seems like he might be part of a platoon situation himself. Uh, Jared Kelnick not in the lineup. And uh, we haven't talked about his slow start so far, Scott. He is one for 11 with five strikeouts thus far. You know, it's hard to take anything away from whatever he's played three games so far for Jared Kelnick. But, you know, uh, so far it's been mostly a, a pretty rough start for um, for a lot of the prospects. I, I saw that well, Torkelson, I think, was like 0 for 8 with six strikeouts over the weekend. So that was pretty rough as well. And Julio Rodriguez, one for 14 with seven strikeouts. He did get his first stolen base yep. today, which is nice, but he's he hasn't been... His hot hitting has not carried over to the regular season, and it's kind of reminding me a little of, of how Jared Kelnick <laughs> began his career last year, yeah, frankly. Not great. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, like I'm not anywhere close to considering dropping Julio Rodriguez, so this isn't about that, but... I had hoped I had hoped for better. You 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 worry about him going into a little bit of a tailspin here if, if you know if he loses confidence or whatever. But they've continued to run him out there and and as long as they continue to do that, I think he'll he'll get hot and it'll be a distant memory. If you are listening or watching, you might have heard me make some kind of like weird sound in the background while Scott was talking. I just saw that uh Jesus Sanchez hit his second home run of the game tonight, and it came off of Rysel Iglesias. So, pretty impressive there. I know the first one was a bomb. It was like 439 feet, and now just added a, uh, a second one. So, a double-dong performance here for Jesus Sanchez, outfielder with the Miami Marlins. Uh, I believe he's, he's pretty available too, Scott. Mm, 65% rostered. Do you think that number should be higher for Jesus Sanchez? I still am not particularly compelled to roster him in like a three outfielder league. But if you're in a five outfielder league and you need home runs, he's he's a, he's a candidate for those, sure. Mm-hmm. Would you rather have him or Brendan Nimmo? Nimmo was 76% rostered. Like He's a fine player, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't get that. Doesn't I would do- rather have Sanchez. I don't. Uh, but I don't I don't really get the roster rate for Nimmo because I mean platoon player who doesn't hit for much power. Yeah. Good on base guy, but in the league the leagues where on base percentage counts for something where where walks count for something are tend to be the shallower ones. So there just isn't much utility for for Nimmo. That's yeah, that, that roster rate needs to go down for sure. All right, and the last lineup note I wanted to mention, Bryson Stott and Alec Bohm have alternated starts at third base through each of the Phillies' first four games. Alec Bohm on Monday night went, I believe it was one for one. I'll pull that up again. One for one with two walks, uh, but he also had three throwing errors in this game. So, you know, I was surprised, Scott, because they're going up against a righty, Taiwan Walker, Bryson Stott, left-handed bat. Just feels like it makes sense, but... I don't know. I guess for the time being, they're just going to go with like this alternating Bohm and, and Bryce and Stott, which is, frankly, it's frustrating for both of them if you have either one in fantasy. Yeah. I'm thinking Bohm is, is, uh, may not be long for the job, though. That's my hope. You know, obviously, if you're in the sort of league where you could think about dropping Adele, you could think about dropping Stott, too. I don't think the upside is quite the same. But if you're in something deeper, I'd, I'd try to be patient with Stott, too. All right. Before we hit a quick break, 
Make sure to follow our Fantasy Baseball Today Twitter account if you haven't already. It's at FBT Pod on Twitter. We're closing in on 25,000 followers. So nice little milestone there for us to reach. And again, if you're watching us live on YouTube, you're watching us on demand, um, please like this video and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. We're going to take a quick break. And when we return, we're going to talk about Alec Manoa because he was awesome on Monday night. We'll be back right after this. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, so I've got some pitching notes from Monday. Let's talk about Alec Manoa. Awesome in his first start at the Yankees. Six shutout, one hit, four walks, seven strikeouts. He had 16 swinging strikes on 89 pitches. Scott, what really stood out to me in this start, 17% changeup usage for Manoa. He had four of those 16 swinging strikes on the changeup, the changeup was not a good pitch for him last year. I remember when we were doing analysis on him, I said, you know, he has two different iterations of a fastball, a four-seamer, and a sinker, and his slider. That was basically his go-to last year, those fastballs and the slider. Uh, he tried to use the changeup, but it was not successful. If this turns out to be a, frankly, even an average pitch for him, Scott, that he could just throw against left-handed, pitch, uh, left-handed batters, then a... a Alec Manoa breakout season could be incoming. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know how much room he has to break out because he was already so good last year. I think we were expecting a bit of a step back from him. And maybe it's it's more of a step to the side or or maybe even a step forward. Yeah, it was a great debut. The changeup usage, as you said, very encouraging. The results on it. And uh, I'd, I'd be excited if I had invested in Manoa, which I don't think I did in any league because that was just a range of pitchers I wasn't drafting. Yeah, but Man- I would be excited if I had him. Manoa was always going around Charlie Morton, Scott, it felt like. So right. <laughs> <laughs> I was always targeting Morton. You were targeting Morton. So, right. Uh, yeah. Not that I uh, have any reason to be disappointed in, in Morton so far. Right. But yeah, but yeah neither. But yeah, Manoa looked great. A few others I wanted to mention here. Aaron Savali gave up uh, four runs. Two of those were earned over three and a third against Kansas City. But something to watch here, Scott, his slider, his cutter, his curveball, the velocity was all, they were all way down compared to last year. Uh, he also changed up the pitch mix a little bit here. He threw his slider yeah. a lot more than he did last season. I don't know. It was just kind of a weird start. I really don't know what to make of the Savali start because, yeah, just to put some specifics on it, so his fastball itself was down 1.4 miles per hour, which is a pretty big drop. 
but he hardly threw the fastball. And the pitch he used most, the slider, was down 4.3 miles per hour from last year. But he hardly threw the slider last year, and it was most used pitch this start. The cutter was down 3.2 miles per hour. Like it's, It makes me wonder if that slider is really the same pitch. And like he remade his arsenal so much that I... Or, or at least the usage was so different that it makes me wonder if he completely remade his arsenal the way he remade his delivery last year. I mean, Savali likes to change things up, clearly. So I don't know what to make of this. I mean, he had a pretty strong spring. I, I, because he was pitching in Arizona, we didn't get many StatCast readings on what he was throwing. We are just kind of judging from the results. He looked pretty good. But these... The readings from his first start where we do have the StatCast data is pretty, pretty weird. Yes, weird indeed. I wanted to pull up what his next matchup matchup is to see uh, whether or not we want to keep him in the lineup. If you play in a weekly league, he's probably already uh, locked in there. But in a daily lineup league, he faces the San Francisco Giants on Sunday at home. Would you be okay starting him there, Scott? Or maybe wait and see. Yeah, I mean, I'd rather not start him. I'm, I'm not saying you can't start him, but I want to get a better feel for what he's doing here and how it's how it's going to play. Obviously, the results weren't good in this start. It, it may have nothing to do with with what was going on with his arsenal. Or it may. Or it may. Maybe something's wrong with him. It's hard to say at this point. Aaron Ashby of the Brewers. He looked pretty good in relief of Adrian Hauser on Monday. Three and a third shutout. Two hits, two walks. He had four strikeouts. 10 swinging strikes on 68 pitches. Uh, he's still 45% rostered, Scott. And someone who had a lot of helium coming into the season, breakout potential, uh, he comes with prospect status, and, and the Brewers have done great work developing their pitchers. But we're just kind of in flux right now. We don't know exactly what the role is for Ashby. As of now, it looks like he's a just a long reliever, piggybacking you know other starters when they can't go too deep, which doesn't have that much value. In fantasy, so what are we doing with Ashby? Would you like to hold him? I'd like to, but it's it's less of a priority than somebody like McKenzie Gore, who's going to be used more like a conventional starter when he gets here. I do think at some point this year, Aaron Ashby is is going to enter the rotation, and I'm hopeful he be, he'll be good enough to stay there whenever it happens. I mean, maybe he replaces somebody like Adrian Hauser, who he piggybacked with today, and did he end up? They they pitched like the same number of innings, right? So they're they're yeah. kind of keeping Ashby stretched out to start by having him go throw sixty eight pitches. Yeah. And so I, I don't think he's far removed from being a starter, but obviously he hasn't gotten the opportunity yet. Yep. I have just one share of Aaron Ashby, and it's a fifteen team NFBC league where you have uh, seven bench spots and. Uh, I've held on to him yeah. thus far, so I, you know, obviously deeper league. I, I think he still has a good amount of upside uh, in formats like that. Yeah. I, I'd like to hold Ashby if I can. I, I've had to drop Ashby in a shallower league, yeah, to pick up. I don't even remember who. Maybe somebody like Connor Joe, uh, but I'd I'd like you know if if I had infinite roster space, he'd be on my rosters. <laughs> uh, Ranger Suarez made his debut against the Mets, Scott, and he was pretty bad. Two and two thirds, five hits, three runs. Couldn't locate his fastball in this one. Only two hard hit balls, so you, you like to see that. He, he kept the hard hits down. Uh, was there anything that you noticed from the start for Suarez? Yeah, I, I noticed that 
the average exit velocity against him was 79.4 miles per hour. So he was not hit hard. You know, a short start like this, I wouldn't make too much of it, even if he was. But I, I see no reason to be down on Ranger Suarez, despite the results here. Somebody who was hit quite hard was Waskar Inoa against the Washington Nationals. He gave up five runs over three innings. He had just uh, he had four strikeouts to two walks, which you know strikeouts over three innings is pretty good. Could not locate anything. I was I was watching some of the start. He uh, he threw his changeup thirteen percent of the time in this one, and he really did not use that pitch much uh, last year. He did not register a single called strike or a whiff on the pitch. Uh, in this one. Waskar Inoa is 74% rostered. Scott, would you continue to hold him for now? It, it's it's tough because we have all these names emerging and obviously you have to drop somebody. So uh, would yeah. Inoa be expendable for even any of the names we mentioned tonight? Uh, Tyone, Lorenzen, Nick Martinez. I'd drop him for any of them, to be honest. I wasn't the big Waskar Inoa guy to begin with. But basically since he... How early was it that he... I think he broke his hand last year, right? In a fit of f- frustration. And ever since coming back from that, he just hasn't been, he hasn't looked like mixed league material. He was hardly used in the playoffs last year. And they have other directions they could go. I mean, maybe even Spencer Strider. I, I'm not saying that's on the verge of happening, but he was one of the two. Uh, basically, the, the Braves used Enoa, Spencer Strider, and Tucker Davidson today and Strider was the one who had the best results he he actually lasted the longest three innings and a third he threw 71 pitches so you know he's basically stretched out to start if they wanted to make that change I'm not sure if developmentally they think he's at that point but if if they're not confident in Enoa if they lose confidence in Enoa then that's a change that could happen sooner than later and if not that, you know, maybe they bring up somebody like Kyle Muller. Maybe they give Tucker Davidson a shot. Davidson wasn't good tonight either, but his velocity was way up, which was interesting, and he got a lot of whiffs. So I'd, I'd, I'd rather see them try Tucker Davidson, frankly. <laughs> so I'm kind of I'm kind of at a point now where not only am I willing to see Inoa go to the waiver wire in fantasy, but I'm, I'm kind of rooting for the Braves to make a change there too because I just I don't think he's a long-term option for them. Spencer Schreider, by the way, too. I, I'm rooting for him solely because of the mustache, Scott. I mean, that stash, <laughs> that, that is a sick stash. Scott, what do I have to do to get you to grow a stash like that? I don't think I could grow a stash <laughs> like that. I don't think I've, I can either. Like, I have it, but it's not, it's not like the most thick mustache, admittedly. Yeah, I haven't really experimented with it in a long time, years and years. Uh, not not really my wife's thing, any kind of facial hair. And I was never good at growing it <laughs> when I did experiment with it. So, you know, I, I think this is the fate. This is going to remain my face <laughs> for the rest of my life. Baby face, Scott White. Uh, but you're saying that there, there are, are there pictures somewhere of you with facial hair? The experiment, you call it? Uh, no, I don't, I don't think it was ever documented in photographs, you know, just like I'd go a week without shaving or something. Yeah. All right. Shave, then shave the sides of my face and, you know, kind of have like a scraggly goatee, (laughs) you know, (laughs) I may or may not have offered you money for, for these pictures, Scott, just (laughs) to see. No, I don't think it was, I don't think they they exist. I'd share them with you if they did. I'm, I got nothing to hide. All right. 
No, I don't think they exist. All right, well, I'm rooting for it to come back one day. Uh, <laughs> we'll see what we can do. Alex Wood was just okay against the Padres. He gave up two runs with six strikeouts over four and a third, but his sinker, his slider, his changeup, they were all up over one miles per hour. So I was encouraged to see that for Alex Wood. Uh, wrap up the pitching side here, Scott. Some names in deeper leagues that could be available. Dylan Bundy, five shutout. He gave up one hit. One walk, two strikeouts against the Seattle Mariners. Uh, Matt Manning with a strong start against the Red Sox. Six innings, one hit, one run, only two strikeouts. Paul Blackburn, a great start against the Tampa Bay Rays. Really came out of nowhere. Five shutout with seven strikeouts in this one. Changed up his pitch mix a little bit too. He's only 1% rostered. Uh, The last name on this list is Josh Rogers. He was filling in for Anibal Sanchez. Five and a third, one run, three strikeouts. Uh, Any interest got in deeper leagues? Bundy, Manning, Blackburn, Rogers. The one that's kind of interesting to me is is probably the... Is one of the least heralded of them, and and it's Blackburn actually. Bundy, forget about him. His velocity was down even more. He's averaging eighty nine point nine on the fastball now, and Manning still isn't showing much swing and miss potential. So I don't have much hope for him. Blackburn, the minor league track record isn't good, but this was a really interesting start from him. Twelve swinging strikes on seventy one pitches. That's a great rate, obviously. The velocity was up across the board, a mile per hour on the fastball, even more on some of the secondaries. And you mentioned he changed his pitch mix. He he did the simple thing that all pitchers should do, certainly ones that haven't found success yet in the majors. He, he started throwing his better pitches more. Uh, he, curveball was the pitch he threw the most, and I think he, I think his changeup too. There were there was two best swing and miss pitches last year, and he threw them a lot more in this start and got a lot more swings and misses. What do you know? So, I, I mean, because there's there's really nothing in the track record to suggest Paul Blackburn's going to be a success, I'm, I'm not I'm not really telling anybody to pick him up except in those very, very deep leagues. But it's something to keep an eye on. He may enter that discussion at some point if he can keep this going. Yeah, his next start is at Toronto this weekend. So, obviously, that is... Really rough, but if he shows us anything in that start, too, I mean, I think there's going to be real excitement about Paul Blackburn. It looks like he's slated to face the Orioles next week if the schedule plays out uh, the way that it looks right now. He's only 1% rostered. Just a name to watch, Paul Blackburn. Some hitting standouts from Monday, each of Whit Merrifield, Bobby Witt, and Adalberto Mondesi picked up their first steals of the season. Adolis Garcia has four walks in four games thus far. I was... Surprised to see that. He had just 32 walks in 149 games last year. He also already has a home run. He has a stolen base. So, all right. I remember him saying in spring training, you know, I read all these articles from each of the team's official sites, and most of the information is not worth sharing. And and I considered this part of that because, you know, it just, it just seemed like talk. But he, he did... He did say he wanted to be more patient this year. He thought he was too aggressive last year. And so far, very early on, he is he is practicing what he was preaching, Adolis Garcia. And that could only help his, his outlook, I think. I know that the Rangers brought in either hitting coach or hitting instructor uh, that came over from San Francisco. Obviously, the Giants the past couple of years have done great work with Brandon Belt and Brandon Crawford and really getting the best out of their players. So uh, perhaps we can see some of that translate to Adolis Garcia. And 
I wanted to point out my guy, Nathaniel Lowe, is off to a pretty good start, too. Six for 15. Uh, no homers yet, but he has five RBI. He's hitting right in the middle of that lineup, right after Seager and Semyon and Adolis Garcia. So there could be a decent amount of RBI opportunities for uh, Nathaniel Lowe. Wander Franco went three for four with a double. He already has three three-hit games. George Springer went three for four with a double and his second home run. Austin Nola, this was interesting, Scott. He had his first home run Monday night, and he has started four of the Padres' first five games. He was their DH on Sunday. There was another game where he let off against a left-handed pitcher, and Austin Nola is just 30% rostered. And, and we've seen in the past, I believe it was either the shortened 2020 or the year before that, 2019. We, we've seen some pretty decent upside from Austin Nola as a offensive catcher. So I think if you waited on catcher in a one-catcher league and you wound up with like Omar Nervaez or Carson Kelly, Mike Zanino even, I think I would be all right dropping those guys for Austin Nola. Yeah, I mean, in the one in a one catcher league, there isn't much downside to dropping any catcher who isn't one of the uh, top seven. Let's say, let's include Garver in there, and uh, Cabe Ruiz, maybe Alejandro Kirk. Maybe it's a little deeper than seven, but yeah, I mean, if you're if you got one of those fringy guys, there's there's not much downside in the one catcher league to swapping him out for the hot hand because who's going to go pick up the guy you dropped, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, yeah, you're. I think what you're saying makes sense. Like the top ten or twelve, like Tyler Stevenson, I would still take. Elias Diaz is off to a good start. Uh, Alejandro Kirk, that one's close. Um, I'd I'd take Kirk for the upside, and he's yeah. playing enough even before the injury to Danny Jansen. He's been playing enough. Yeah, I would take Joey Bart over him too. But again, once we get into like Sean Murphy, Zanino, Vasquez, that's like the next group in my rankings, I, I would take uh, Austin Noller, Nola over those guys. Uh, some deep league hitter ads. Uh, Jorge Mateo went one for three with a walk and his second stolen base and has started all four games for the Baltimore Orioles. And sneaky speed here, Scott. So uh, Mateo, yeah. Mateo, 16% roster. Do you think that number should be higher? It should be way up. He's somebody I've added to in, in all my roto leagues, I, I'm well invested in Jorge Mateo. I mean, as, as desperate as everybody was for speed on draft day, I'm surprised he hasn't gotten more attention because it was announced pretty early he'd be the Orioles' everyday shortstop. He's also eligible in the outfield in CBS leagues. And he had a great spring. He's been drawn walks here early in the, the season. Jorge Mateo, he's got some power in addition to the speed. I'm, I'm not sure he has 20 homer power, but he's not. You know, he's not going to be Miles Straw either in terms of home runs. So I, I would say Jorge Mateo, all Roto Leagues, he should be rostered and, and maybe some deeper head-to-head categories leagues. Yeah, maybe he can get to, you know, 10 to 15 homers, <clears throat> excuse me, like 20-plus steals, like if everything works out, the the upside outcome for Jorge Mateo. I, I think a... a, a um, a line like that is possible for him. The Nationals put up 11 runs on 15 hits on Monday, backed by a monster game from Michael Franco, four for five with a first home uh, with his first home run, five RBI. What's dead may never die, Scott. Uh, Michael Franco, NL only, but probably nothing more than that, right? <laughs> yeah, I've been out on Michael Franco for like a decade. <laughs> Not even sure he's been in the league for a decade, but it feels yeah. like that long. So you were out on him, you know, when he was still in the minor leagues, basically. Just, <laughs> nah, it's, it's not you know, when, he, when his career first started, I was a big Michael Franco guy. 
but that ended. I was also a big Michael Walker guy. Mm. Man, how the how quickly they fell. <laughs> Poor guys. Uh, the Oakland A's, they also had a monster night on Monday against the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, Seth Brown and Chad Pender, they each hit their second home runs of the season, and each one is 6% rostered. Chad Pender has started three of four games for Oakland. Seth Brown has started uh, all four games for Oakland. Got anything to see here with Brown or Chad Pender? No, but I did want to draw attention to another player in Oakland's lineup, and that is, oh man, I'm glad I looked up the pronunciation before I said it. Sheldon Noisy? Yep, that is how you say his name. I remember hearing it, and I was like, what? N-E-U-S-E, Noisy. Yeah, he got a start for the, I don't know that it was his first start, but it was the first time Kevin Smith was out of the lineup, and and they're both kind of jockeying for playing time at, at third base. They both were big this spring, but Kevin Smith's been terrible since the season started. I actually dropped him in one of the leagues where I picked him up. Bunch of strikeouts and poor exit velocity. He puts the ball in the air a lot, but so far he hasn't impacted it very hard in the majors between this year or last. And it might that combination might work in a smaller park, but I, I don't know that it's going to work in Oakland, particularly if he's not making contact. Sheldon Noisy, though, got a start and... Uh, he continued to produce like he did this spring, three for four with a home run. And it was a pretty interesting minor track league track record, just like Kevin Smith does. So, yeah, we're still talking deep leagues, especially while his playing time appears sporadic, but Sheldon Noisy and another player to keep an eye on. All right, yeah, especially in AL-only leagues. This was his first start of the season. He had another pinch hit appearance on Saturday. Uh, Cleveland, I wanted to mention Owen Miller, back-to-back three-hit games there. He started both games at first base. One was against a lefty, one was against a righty. He's 1% rostered. Uh, and Oscar Mercado, back-to-back days with a home run, 3% rostered. Those are a few names you could look at again. In AL only, I think if they can they continue to get consistent playing time, we can maybe talk about them in uh, deeper mixed leagues Again, the names Owen Miller and Oscar Mercado. The call to the bullpen, Scott. Let's uh, let's take a look at some bullpens here. Emmanuel Class A gave up a two-run homer with a five-run lead on Monday. He's been uh, not so great his first two outings, so we'll we'll monitor that for him. Uh, Baltimore Orioles Dylan Tate was used in the seventh. Uh, Siono Siono Perez was used in the eighth, and then Jorge Lopez was used in the ninth. He allowed one walk with a strikeout, converted the save. Uh, Lopez is 4% rostered. Are you looking to add him anywhere? When If I'm desperate for saves, I, he was the guy Brandon Hyde identified as, as, as being the first choice for saves going into the season was Jorge Lopez. And he didn't know how seriously to take it. Obviously, it's the Orioles. How many save chances are they going to get? Lopez has not been a good pitcher to this point in the majors in any role that he's filled. But he got the first... Save. It was their first save, right? They didn't get... He was used like a conventional closer in this one, just like Brandon Hyde intimated he would be. So I would rank him uh, behind every other prospective closer, behind Daniel Bard. I know Daniel Bard blew a save here on Monday. It was a solo home run. It happens. I still think uh, I'd rather have Bard. I have a lot... Like a lot more confidence in Bard than I do in Jorge Lopez. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was the first save of the season for the Orioles. How about the Brewers, by the way? They are one in three. 
with their first four games coming against the Cubs and the Orioles. So my World Series pick pick looks great through uh, through four games for the Texas Rangers. Joe Barlow pitched in the ninth inning in a tie game. He gave up a solo home run to CJ Crone and then Greg Holland pitched in the 10th. He gave up two runs and he took the loss. Uh, Scott, do you think that Joe Barlow pitching in the ninth inning of a tie game gives you confidence he'll get their, their next save opportunity? I don't know that I'd say I'm confident, but that's that's my read on it. I wish he was better in that one <laughs> inning. I mean, it was a solo home run he gave up, like I said, for Bard, and he struck out three. Uh, and Greg Holland was worse, and Greg Holland probably would be the the biggest threat to Joe Barlow getting a save, I would guess, but but we'll see. You mentioned Daniel Bard gave up uh, a game-tying home run to Willie Calhoun in the ninth inning. Willie Calhoun, Scott, was, that was my guy. Like, when I first got into this, like, I was enamored with Willie Calhoun. I thought he was going to be awesome. Has had some really, really tough breaks. No pun intended, but, uh, yeah. It was nice to see him hit a home run in this spot. Not if you're, not if you have Daniel Bard on your team, of course. For the Red Sox, Matt Barnes pitched in the sixth inning of a tie game. His fastball averaged 94 miles per hour, which is down 1.8 miles per hour compared to last season. And that's what we kept hearing about in the spring, Scott, is the velo is down for uh, Matt Barnes. I don't know if this really matters because it was like his first game of the season, but you know maybe they use him in lower leverage and build up his confidence and, and then he kind of works back in. But Jake Diekman looked really good in his first uh, save opportunity Sunday night. So I would say that the next save chance goes to Jake Diekman again. What do you think? Yeah, that that's my guess, but it, it's not with a lot of conviction. Barnes' velocity was down from last year, but according to the player update on our side, it was up from the spring. It was even worse in the spring. So is there enough for them to trust in him as their closer? I mean, with with Diekman, you got the whole lefty thing, and they don't have a lot of other lefties in that bullpen. It's hard to confine, confine... when you have so few lefties, it's hard to confine that one to the bull, to the closer role. So I, I imagine they'd rather not put Diekman there, but it's it's hard to say how much confidence they have in Barnes at this point. For the Tigers, Gregory Soto gave up a hit but picked up his first save of the season. Michael Fulmer pitched in the eighth inning. I feel relatively confident uh, Gregory Soto is the guy for the Tigers. For the Phillies, Brad Hand converted a one-run save. Corey Knebel pitched both Friday and Saturday, so probably didn't want to use him a third time in Plus, four nights. it was a five-run rally for the Phillies yep. to, to get in that safe situation. So I, I wasn't watching the game. I don't know if Hand was already warming up, but like Tony Santee in an opening day, I remember that's how sort of how it played out for him getting that first save for the Reds. And maybe that's partly what happened here, too. Just a classic New York Mets meltdown, by the way. I'm sure I'm going to get some uh, some hate for that on Twitter. For the Toronto Blue Jays, Jordan Romano picked up his third. Here it is, three saves. Awesome to see for uh, Jordan Romano. His velocity is down, too, like a mile per hour and a half. A lot of pitchers. I, I'm, I was writing, it'll be up tomorrow, but I'm writing about the starting pitchers whose velocity is down at least a mile per hour. And so I'm focused on the starters, but there are a lot of relievers that that's true for too. And, you know, I, I assume a lot of it has to do with the hurried buildup to the season, to the season after, uh, you know, just a three week spring training. But surely there are some examples 
out there yet to be identified within this group that there are other reasons why the velocity's down. And so it's going to be something to keep an eye on for all of them moving forward. To stream or not to stream, which of these pitchers are we looking to use in daily lineup leagues? Let's start with Tuesday. Yusei Kikuchi at the Yankees. Nestor Cortez versus the Blue Jays. Drew Smiley at the Pirates. Jose Quintana versus the Cubs. Tyler McGill at the Phillies. Eric Lauer at the Orioles. Rich Hill at the Tigers. And Dakota Hudson is going up against the Royals. Do you have uh, two or three that you like here, Scott? Yeah, Tyler McGill at Philadelphia. I'd be willing to do that after that impressive first start. And Dakota Hudson against the Royals. Ground ball guy generally keeps runs off the board. Hopefully he'll go the five innings needed to get uh, a win, but that's been, you know, it's been hard to find anybody who does that in his first turn. Wednesday is tough because a lot of the aces in uh, respective rotations are pitching that day. But the ones that I saw that are available, Zach Thompson going up against the Cubs, Chris Paddock going up against the Dodgers. Merrill Kelly was pushed up in the rotation, so now going up against the Astros this week, not the New York Mets. I I am okay passing on all three, Scott. Yeah, me too. If I was forced to start one, I, I think it would still be Kelly, even with that tough matchup. But I'd rather not. All right, Team Name Tuesday. If you have awesome team names that you want to send in, emails, fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Put Team Name Tuesday in the subject line. This one's from Quincy Alberts Swanson. All right. I like that. <laughs> I, like that I don't one. know that I get it. Sorry. Uh, so it's like Albert Pujols' swan song. Oh, okay. Albert Swanson. So. Thank you for explaining it. <laughs> I only know because he emailed the, you know, he describing it or else I'd probably be in the same boat as you. If it's obscure musical references, even if it's not so obscure musical references, we're, we need Chris here for those. <laughs> we were talking beforehand and I said exactly that. I was like, when we do to- team name Tuesday without Chris here, Scott and I are just left like staring at each other. Like what's going on? I don't know. <laughs> what does this stuff mean? <laughs> These are from Colin. And I don't think Chris is going to be on many Tuesday shows. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> that's wonderful. Maybe we've got to move it to like team name Wednesday or something like that. To, doesn't have the same feel. These two are from Colin, the Suzuper Saiyans. So that's a Dragon Ball Z reference. Um, Say a Suzuki, but opposite. The Suzuper. They're all over that one, Frank. Yeah, yeah. Oh, big Dragon Ball Z fan growing up. I, I still, I still frequent a little Dragon Ball Z action. Uh, Hitting Barlow the belt. Oh, that's good. I I get that one. There's a lot going on there. This one's from Jif. Beer and a stock. (laughs) nothing is it good you tell me it's like you know beer in a shot but you know seth beer and and (laughs) bryson stott i like it uh these are from greg i i don't think we're gonna get these the mayor of the barrio barrio the mayor of the barrio i think that was some kind of musical reference for chris but i don't know it's on teams where he has vlad Yes, on teams where he has Vlad, the mayor of the barrio. Okay. Uh, I don't see anything on Google. (laughs) Send us in, email us, and let us know what it means. On teams where I don't have (laughs) Vlad, hey, it's Enrico Palazzo. Cool. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. I think this is from uh, Naked Gun. No surprise. I've never seen it. I know know it's a very popular movie. No, I haven't either. I've seen... 
clips from it, but I've never watched the whole thing. Gotta uh, say. From our buddy Jack, who he crushed last year with the with the team name Tuesdays. Dace Clefani Valentine. I don't know if there's okay. a reference that I'm supposed to know. Probably. Uh, Avengers Savali War. All right. That was pretty good. I uh, at least get what he's referring. <laughs> I understood that reference. Yeah. There you go, Scott. Yeah. <laughs> we got one. This one's from Mark. Fetch the Whip Runners. Yep, yep. That was the one he said Chris would know. Okay. Don't know. Uh, I'm, all, I'm all about that on base. Okay. Uh, he writes... In honor of Mark Howard of the great Milpita A's. I don't know anything about that, but I just kind of assumed it was from the song, All About the Bass. I'm all about the bass. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. I know that one. This one's from Brian. Hats for bats. So, uh, from our buddy Jamie, who is in the one of the podcast leagues. These are all of the Adam Sandler reference. Love them. The Wedding Springer. Mm-hmm. Happy McGillmore. Okay. Eight Crazy Wainwrights. Okay. The Longest Hilliard. Yeah, a remake, but yeah. <laughs> DeGromops. It's supposed to be grown ups, but. Oh. Yeah, yeah I, I didn't stretch. really like that one anyway. That's a stretch. Yeah, I, I, the movie I didn't like. The eh, name's okay. Uh, <laughs> Little Nicky Lopez. A plus, love it. Yeah, that's uh, that's my favorite one from this slate, <laughs> I think, so far. Uh, and then the last one is Mr. Freed's. Okay. I like those. Uh, from Russ, Brindor's Palace O'Dingers. It looks like, I don't know, Lindor and Bryce together, Brindor's Palace O'Dingers. I don't know. From Jeff, Third Degree Burns. All right, straightforward. Yeah. Uh, from Cody, Vladdy's Wagon and Pot of Goldschmidt. Yeah, they work. The last I, I, I acknowledge that they work. <laughs> the last one is from Jared. Cruising, bruising, and you losing. Oh, going for a rhyming scheme there. Only one of those is a name, though, right, Cruz? Yeah, I think he pointed out the L-U-Z is for Lazardo. Mm. Who would the B-R-U-Z be for? Cruising, bruising, and you losing. Is their name B-R-U-Z? I Baseball? don't know. I don't think so. Let me double check here. Type it in a couple different search engines. E no. No, I think it was just, I think it just fit the rhyming scheme. Fair enough. Uh, all right. Well, as you guys can see, Scott and I are terrible at Team Name Tuesday, but continue to send them in and, and we'll have fun and we'll read them out and we can, you know, make ourselves look foolish and, and we'll have some fun. We're going to wrap there. For Scott and Frank, thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball Today. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, I- Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus.